This is the She Runs the Show podcast with Cassandra Bybus, episode number 29, the solo series. Is fear keeping you from taking massive daily action in your business? You know, there's nothing that frustrates me more other than computers shutting off and viruses and having to restart in the middle of an audio podcast, just saying. But there's nothing that frustrates me more than having a goal and a dream for my business, maybe a new product, a new program, something that I want to launch, and fear coming in and sucking all of the energy out of that momentum. It drives me nuts, which is why I created Lose Your Fear, Build Your Business, because it is a 10-week powerhouse online training program that is designed to teach you how to turn your entrepreneurial fear into massive daily action. Listen, I've coached thousands of entrepreneurs, and the one thing that I've found among all of them is that it's not action that keeps them stuck. It's not having a plan in place or not having a plan in place that keeps them from achieving their business goals. At the end of the day, it's always fear, always fear. So if you're ready to kick your fear to the curb, if you're ready to turn your fear into something that actually builds your business rather than something that holds your business hostage, go to www.loseyourfearbuildyourbusiness.com. And you know what? Take the course on a one-week test drive. You can actually sign up for week one of the course. Try it out. See if you like it. Because I will guarantee you one thing. That first week alone will change your world. No, it'll rock your world. So go to www.loseyourfearbuildyourbusiness.com and take the course on a one-week test drive. Welcome to episode number 29 of She Runs the Show. This is a solo series, and we're going to be in a solo series for the next few weeks. I actually have a lot going on, including an upcoming surgery. So needless to say, um, interviewing people, I love to do it, but given what's going on in my life right now, solo series are going to be what they are. So I wanted to give you a little intro about where this topic came up from. I had decided a few weeks ago that I wanted to do more in-person stuff. I live in Utah, for those of you who are listening to me and don't know. Um, But I live in Utah, and I hadn't really gotten out there. Like, I do a ton of online stuff. My business is pretty much online, but I haven't been active in my local community. And a colleague of mine suggested that I get more involved in a face-to-face setting. So what I decided to do was start a meetup group, and a meetup group for women entrepreneurs. And so... I paid the fee. I set up the meetup page. You know, first I researched to see if there were any women entrepreneur meetup groups in the area and there weren't. Like within a 50 mile radius of where I live in Utah, there were none, zero zilch. So I knew that there was definitely a market for this meetup group. So I set up the page. I created a website separately for um, the, the women entrepreneurial meetup group. And I set a date and a date for the first event. And within 24 hours, I immediately got four people on board who wanted to jump in and join. And I thought, oh, cool, four people. Great. So now that's that's interest already and only within the first 24 hours, which I thought was awesome. And then I, you know, created the, the first meetup idea, the topic. Um, and then I decided to go to it because obviously I'm the one hosting it. And two things happened. One, it started to snow in the middle of April in Utah, Utah weather. And two, nobody showed up like nobody. It was just me in a university classroom, actually a university that I taught at years ago. 
and my cupcakes and four bottles of water and me. And so it was good in the sense that I was able to shoot a few videos, you know, right in a classroom, which is awesome. Um, but it was really disheartening. I was really like, this sucks. Not only is it snowing unexpectedly and I got to drive home in the snow, but then I'm bringing home all these cupcakes that I really did not want to be tempted to eat. And nobody showed up. Like maybe I need to just not do this meetup thing because it sucks and nobody's showing and I'm paying money and time and all of this stuff. So all of these negative thoughts were like running through my mind. And then I got home and I just thought about it. And I said, you know, the lesson of this for me is that you don't quit when things are hard. I mean, it's so easy to be on board with things when 50 people show up, when 5,000 people join your email list for the first day. Like it's so easy to develop autoresponders when you know you got 5,000 people on your list just waiting for your information. But what happens when you have zero people on your email list? Like how passionate, how on fire are you to create those autoresponders then? What happens when you do set up a meetup group like I did and nobody shows up? Like what do you do then? And so I came up with today's episode because I want to talk to you about what do you do when nobody shows up? Because just in how I was feeling after that meetup group, honestly, if I didn't have my mastermind friends, you know, like kind of cheering me on, I probably would have shut the whole thing down and saved myself $38 a month in that meetup fee. But their encouragement really led me to look at how often in my business do I give up because I'm not getting the praise of the crowd. I'm not getting the feedback that I want. But see, true entrepreneurship happens when you give your all, even when nobody shows up. So not only was that meetup experience a test, but it was also an opportunity because I also got to put in place Ryan Blair's postmortem. And so Ryan Blair, if you haven't listened to an earlier episode where I talked about lessons that I learned from Ryan Blair, but he's the author of Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain. And he's a multi-multi-millionaire entrepreneur, lots of businesses. He's, you know, one of the top guys over at Visalis, creator of Visalis. And he really does a good job of identifying when you feel like you've failed at something, what do you do with that? So in today's episode, we're going to talk about that. So let's get to the episode, but I want you to know about my little meetup failure. And yeah, it sucked. And yeah, it didn't feel good. And yes, I'm going to do it again. So let's get to the episode. What do you do when nobody shows up? Welcome to episode number 29 of She Runs the Show. So in today's episode, like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about what do you do when nobody shows up. And by the end of this episode, you're going to learn, one, why an empty room or zero sales or zero email subscribers or zero people following you on social media or zero clients why an empty room is scary enough to keep many entrepreneurs from even making the attempt. By the end of today's episode, you're also going to learn what it takes to transform the fear of rejection into courage. By the end of today's episode, you're also going to learn what to do when nobody shows up. Like, what do you actually do? I mean, how do you respond? What what comes next? And then, of course, by the end of today's episode, you're going to learn how to conduct a postmortem on a temporary defeat so you turn it into a future success, which is the key thing. It's not what happens. It's how you respond. And so we're going to learn how to use the postmortem that Ryan Blair talks about in Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, so that we can turn a temporary defeat, i.e. nobody showing up, into a future success. Okay. So, 
Why an empty room? Whether it's zero sales, zero clients, zero email subscribers, you know, if you start a new list and there's nobody on it, um, or even if there's just a few, like you expected 50, but you only have two people show up. Why an empty room is scary enough to keep many entrepreneurs from even making the attempt. So the thing about empty rooms, the thing about only getting a few people to opt into your paid for course. And now you have to create this, you have to spend 50 hours creating this course that three people paid for. The reason why that is so scary is because for a split second, you really believe that the the outcome that you have at this moment, right? The snapshot that you have, you start to think, well, maybe this proves my fears right. Like maybe my course isn't worth anything because only two people bought it. Or maybe, you know, people don't care about what I have to say or what I have to share my expertise because nobody showed up to my meetup group. The fear is super scary because all of a sudden, now that you're getting information in real time that this is not working on some level, you start to wonder if it's you. And so the reality of zero people showing up or an empty room begins to look like it's proving your fear right. It also increases your level of self-doubt. I mean, a lot of us take risks and, and we start new things and we get out of our comfort zone. So it was hard enough to get out of the comfort zone. Now that you're out of it and you put yourself out there and you're being vulnerable and it, you fall flat on your face because zero people people show up, it definitely increases the level of self-doubt, which is why a lot of entrepreneurs don't step out of comfort zones because they'd rather live in the comfort zone and think, well, maybe that could have worked if I was willing to try it rather than actually trying it, see that it doesn't work in that moment and then confirming their level of self-doubt. So an empty room is also really scary enough to keep entrepreneurs from taking action because when you get the empty room, it increases your level of self-doubt. It starts to look like it's proving your fears right. It's also something that keeps that empty room, that keeps entrepreneurs from taking massive action because it negatively impacts your confidence in your business. And you know what? After a while, it feels like a waste of time. And so what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they get these results that are less than stellar. They get very few people sign up for their email list or very few people show up for a meetup group or very few people buy their course. And then they think about trashing the entire course or they think about not doing a meetup group or they think about totally not doing their business because they think that one result is the final say-so as to whether they're good enough or whether their business is good enough. What you've got to remember is that it's not about one particular result. It's about how you show up consistently, especially how you show up in the face of temporary defeat. And so a lot of entrepreneurs are looking at this empty room thing in the wrong way, which is why even the idea that that could be a result that they get is something that keeps them from even trying. Now let's talk about what, what does it take to transform the fear of rejection into courage? Because that's really what this whole thing boils down to, right? Like if you meet really high level salespeople or people who are at the top of their game with, with selling, one of the things that they built up immunity to, we'll use immune, immunity to is rejection. Like people who are super good at sales, they don't care about being rejected. It doesn't hurt their feelings. They don't get offended. They know that it's their job to go out and influence, educate, market, sell to. They're relentless about what they do and they believe in what they're selling. 
So we've got to get there as entrepreneurs because a big part of what we do is sales and marketing. It's education. It's teaching. It's encouraging. It's all of those things. You know, asking is offering. So it's offering to our target market or to our tribe. But if you've got all of this fear of being rejected, then the fear of rejection overwhelms your ability to sell and then you don't sell and then you don't make money and you think it's because your business is bad or because you're not good enough. Let's talk about what it takes to transform the fear of rejection into courage. So just having that meetup group experience myself, I've got to tell you, one of the first things that I gave myself permission to do right after it happened was I gave myself permission to feel what I feel. I think that's really critical. You you know, a lot of people will, and here's one thing I want to say about that. I really considered before I posted on Facebook about my failure with the meetup group, I really considered not posting at all. I really thought like, oh, you know, like I was, I posted how excited I was to go to this thing and now to go back on Facebook and tell people that nobody showed up, you know, how will that look? You know, I'll feel like such a twit, you know, because I, I really was excited to do this thing and then nobody showed. And you know what? I decided to post that nobody showed and really for a very specific reason. I think it's so important as entrepreneurs that not only do we share the wins, but we share the losses. Not only do we tell people when, you know, our ebook hit number one on Amazon, but also when we fell flat on our face because otherwise aspiring entrepreneurs and other people who are considering starting businesses, they start to believe that business has to be straight to the top shot or else you're not worthy of doing it. And I think people need to see, especially people who are considering starting a business, they need to see that you do fall flat on your face. And they need to see how you get back up so that they know they can do it too. So one of the things that I gave myself permission to do after it happened was really to um, feel what I was feeling. You know, when nobody showed up, I, I waited for 30 minutes, then I recorded three videos, I brought my cupcakes home, I ate quite a few of them. Um, and I just decided to feel whatever I was feeling and not judge it and not say, well, what's next? What are you going to do? Get up and take none of that. Like I allowed myself the room to feel whatever I was feeling and it sucked and I allowed it to be sucky. I didn't try to put some silver lining on it. You know, I was looking for the lessons, but as I was looking for the lessons, I was also allowing myself to feel, you know, this really blows. This really sucks. So in order to transform the fear of rejection into courage, number one, you've got to use, you've got to feel what you feel. You know, you have to have the ability to feel what you feel in the moment and not suppress it or make it something that it isn't. Feel what you feel. It also, in order for you to transform the fear of rejection of courage, you also have to give an expiration date to the pity party. So I threw myself a pretty big, bad pity party. I ate like five cupcakes. And, you know, really, at the end of the day, it boiled down to this. I gave myself 24 hours to cry. And that's my 24 hour rule, by the way, 24 hours to cry, then get back up. I gave myself time to do that. I gave myself time to just say, this sucked. It didn't work. People RSVP'd. They didn't show up. That was super sucky. I gave myself time to throw myself a pity party. And you've got to give an expiration date to that because if you don't put an expiration date in your pity party, and I typically say 24 hours and that's it. But if you don't give an expiration date to your pity party, then you feel what you feel, but you feel it for way longer than you need to. Thing, the thing about emotions is emotions are vital and they're necessary, but they are chosen. 
And so, yes, we want to feel what we feel, but there's got to be an expiration date to the pity party. So in order to transform the fear of rejection into courage, you've got to have the ability to feel what you feel. You've got to have an expiration date to the pity party, but you've also got to have a, a constructive assessment of what went wrong, what went right, and what you need to do differently next time. And then, you know, in order to also take that a little bit further and really transform that fear of rejection into courage, you've got to make the decision that yes, there will be a next time. You know, like I could have easily said from that one meetup experience, oh, meetup doesn't work. Meetup sucks. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to invest my time and energy. Why am I doing this thing? No more meetup. I really felt like doing that too. Let's, let's just be clear. I felt like totally being done with that and getting, getting my $38 back or whatever. I spent a month on that thing. But at the end of the day, that's not how you win. Giving up at the first sign of difficulty. It's not how you win in life. It's not how you win in a relationship. It's not how you win academically. If you're in a degree program, that is not how you win. How you win is by courageous patience, persistence, being relentless, just being the last one standing and you don't get to be the last one standing if you give up every time things get tough. So what it also takes to turn the fear of rejection into courage is the decision that, yeah, I'm going to do this again. I'm not giving up here. This is not the final say. So I'm going to go again and again and again until I get this thing. So that's what it takes to transform the fear of rejection into courage. Now, the other piece of this is that when I was done with the meetup group, the next day, and I didn't do it that night because as I told you, I was having my little pity party. But the next day when I was done with the pity party, I actually ran through Ryan Blair's postmortem exercise that you can find in his book, um, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain. Um, and it really was helpful. So let's talk about what a postmortem is. You know, in the book, Ryan says the following. He says, I call this process the postmortem, whereby we go back and evaluate our failures to make sure we learned our lessons so we don't repeat the failures. So the reason why people repeat failures is because they didn't learn the first time. And I don't know about you, but I would like to not learn the 50th time. I'd like to learn maybe second, third, fourth time around. And so the postmortem, I'm having difficulty saying that, the postmortem is really where you, you do some reflection on how did this failure come about? What am I going to do differently next time? What needs to happen now? And so in the book, Ryan provides a system for conducting your own postmortem. And he says, you know, when you failed at something, you need to ask yourself and answer five questions. And here's here are the questions. Number one, why did this happen? Number two, what could I have done differently? Number three, how can I do it better next time? Number four, what changes should I make in my strategies? And number five, what can I do to improve my planning and preparation? And so each of those questions, you know, I went through them with the meetup group, you know, why did this happen? And again, anytime you ask a why question, you want to make sure that you're coming from a non-judgmental space. Like your inner critic does not need to be the piece of you that's answering this question because the moment why surfaces, people start to feel judged and criticized. And even we do that to ourselves. So be sure that when you answer that first question, why did this happen? You're not coming from an inner critic perspective. But when I really sat down to think about the meetup group, why did this happen? I think it happened for a number of reasons. You know, I did not carefully assess 
what I wanted the result to be. Like I did not carefully assess, okay, how many people minimum need to be RSVP'd and how many people am I assuming will not actually show up even though they RSVP'd and what, what are my requirements for this being a success? Like I didn't define in advance what that meetup group would look like as a success. I just sort of threw it together, put it together and just ran with it, which again, it helps to be that way when you're an entrepreneur, as opposed to being a planner who spends forever planning and not doing anything. But there is a balance somewhere in the middle of that. So I had to look at why did, why did nobody show up to the meetup group? Yes, there was freak snow. So that could be a reason. And yes, um, I didn't assess what my goals were for this meetup and what I needed to see happen in order for me to move forward with that particular meeting. Um, maybe I didn't market it enough. So I looked at why did this happen? The second question in Ryan's postmortem is what could I have done differently? And so I just wrote out all of the different marketing strategies, promotion strategies that I could have done to have had a different outcome. And then I looked at the third question, how can I do it better next time? And I wrote out how I'm going to market, promote, and do this better next time. And then, you know, the fourth question is what changes should I make in my strategies? Well, you know, I hadn't really researched how many groups outside of Meetup were in this area of Utah focused on women entrepreneurs. And so one of the changes that I made to my strategy is I need to understand the landscape of organizations committed to the improvement empowerment of women entrepreneurs in Utah. Like how many are out there? How far are they from where I'm located? What do they offer? Let me connect with those people who've been leading those organizations, find out tips from them. So those are some of the changes that I've decided to make in my meetup strategy. And then the fifth question in Ryan's Blair's postmortem is what can I do to improve my planning and preparation? And one of the things that I decided was to go against the grain of what meetup suggests. So when you look at the meetup training, they talk about the fact that you want to start your meetup group and immediately set your first meetup um, date for your first meetup meeting. And I did that. But what I found was I was in such a hurry to get that first date on there and to set it up that I didn't give myself enough time to do marketing and promotion. And so for this next meetup group, I'm not going to have a meeting next month. I'm actually going to have a meeting two months from now because that two months will give me time to do the research and the marketing and the promotion that I need to do. So I'm making sure that I'm doing everything on my end to improve my planning and preparation. Now, could I do all of those things and July come and still nobody shows up? Yes, but at least I'm trying a different strategy. At least I know what's not working and what is working and I can evaluate and change it up from there. So doing the postmortem is really critical to figuring out what you need to do next. And I highly recommend that you do the postmortem 24 hours after the failure. Do not do it like as soon as the failure happens because A, it's it's really intense. You're emotionally in a different place than you will be 24 hours from that moment. And you need enough time to recover from the emotional blow. Right. You still you need enough you need enough distance to be away from it that you can think about things objectively and not take them personally. But you need to be close enough to the blow so that you can really think about what you did and what didn't work about what you did. So you can recall what happened in vivid detail and give some relevant responses to those five questions. 
I would say overall, your postmortem should not take you more than an hour. And in fact, I'm being really liberal with that. I think it shouldn't take you more than 20 minutes. If you're spending days doing a postmortem, you are really overthinking this process. So do not spend any longer than 60 minutes answering those five questions. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to come to a place where you trust the answers that you're giving. You know, you were there, you know what went wrong. You also know how to make it right. So you don't have to do all of this extra research and all of these other things in order to be able to listen to and trust your inner knowing. Just trust yourself. So at the end of the day, you know, the meetup, first meetup group that I did for women entrepreneurs here in Utah was a total flop. It was a total flop. Sucked big time. But I learned a lot from it. I learned what it means to want to give up because you're afraid of rejection. I learned what it means to really be an entrepreneur who says, this is not, this is not how the story is going to go. Like this is not how it's going to go. I learned a ton. And so I just think it's important at the end of the day that you stay focused on your end goal, but be very flexible as Tony Robbins says in your approach. And one of the ways you can do that is to use Ryan Blair's postmortem approach. If you haven't picked up his book, be sure you read it. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. How I went from gang member to multimillionaire entrepreneur, which is Ryan Blair's story. Um, really powerful documentary behind that too. But I would say use the postmortem so that when you fail, you know, you give yourself 24 hours to cry, you get back up, you do the postmortem. That's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm recommending that you do. So again, the question is, what do you do when nobody shows up? Here's the answer, short and sweet. You keep showing up. I'll talk to you guys next time. Are you working a full-time job while building a part-time business? Does it feel like you're putting in more and more time, but getting less and less results? Could it be that you're building a business with the wrong mindset? Check out my latest book, From Employee to Entrepreneur, How to Overcome the Fear of Starting a Business and Learn How to Shift Out of the Employee Mentality and Into the Entrepreneurial Mind Frame. Grab your copy on Kindle by visiting http colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash cubicle freedom. That's tinyurl.com forward slash cubicle freedom. Mm-hmm.